Hey everybody, welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Reverman. Dean, uh, we've uh, been doing a lot of creative marketing over the last year, wouldn't you say? A little bit. A little bit, yeah. 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 yeah, we had to get really creative yeah. starting around March of 2020. Yeah, we, yeah. We, this this whole thing yeah. became a thing, yeah, this yeah. podcast yeah, right, thing. Yeah, right, right. Cooking yeah. shows, trivia shows. Yeah. In fact, Mark was talking about it on stage. It was plan B with the toilet roll. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. We did That's the whole plan. what happened. For anybody who doesn't know what that means, we are, uh, <laughs> we are coming to you live from Vartech today. Hey! Yeah. This is actually the second of our Vartex shows. You should have heard the first one last week. This is number two. Uh, but yeah, in our opening presentations, uh, Mark Fraker, our VP of Marketing, talked about the whole idea of Plan B yeah. in a in a pandemic and figuring Absolutely. out what else to do. And and you know, obviously, when Vartex couldn't happen last year, we had to get a little creative. A little creative. Uh, had to come up, find yeah. some new stuff. Go to the cookie yeah. jar, find some new things in right. there. Yeah. Uh-huh. And we've talked about that on the show a few times, but today we wanted to talk about more about creative marketing tactics That's right. with someone from your world, the VAR world. So we have Jody Costa with us today. Normally we don't you know talk about our guests as much at the beginning, but they're not usually sitting right here with us either. Right? So this I know. is exciting. Yeah. yeah. I hate talking over you as if you're not here right now. <laughs> Uh, So Jody is going to talk to us a little bit more about uh, what she learned over the last 18 plus months, uh, what worked, what didn't. We'll get Mm -hmm. into some uh, differences between you or how we feel about face-to-face marketing versus the new stuff that we've been trying out. Mm -hmm. Uh, What does it mean to be creative with your marketing? How can you accomplish it if maybe you're not someone who has a full marketing department or Mm -hmm. even a marketing specialist of any kind? Uh, you know, you know, how do you decide when to give up on marketing and move on? And, and you know, we'll give you some tips of what we think might be helpful for you to to go out and use as uh, marketing with your customers as well. There so you go. All that plus our usual value to the VAR and what's tech connecting with us. It's time to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. It's time to get connected. As I mentioned, I wanted us to get the VAR perspective on creative I love marketing. it. I love so, it. So we got an expert. James Cordy recommended you to us. And if James Cordy recommends somebody Oh, to my us, Lord. That comes with like the gold stamp. Yeah. Of, right? We're just like, all right, sold. 100%. Seal of in, approval. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jody Costa, she is the uh, Vice President of Marketing and Strategic Partnerships for Barcoding Inc. Thank you so much for being here with us today. We appreciate you coming down to be on the show. Uh, and I'm sure hanging out at pools and parties had nothing to do with it at all. Uh, <laughs> we, nothing. Nothing we, to do with I it. didn't think so. So we appreciate you being here. Tell us a little more about yourself, uh, you know, your day-to-day life at Barcoding, and, and how did you get into the world of, of marketing? Sure. So thank you, John. Thank you, Dean. Absolutely. I, I feel very honored to be on this award-winning podcast. <laughs> I know. So freshly. Maybe minted. round of applause. Oh. Hey, hey, yeah, hey. yeah. We'll, we'll talk more about that <laughs> later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so hi, everybody. Um, as I mentioned, I'm Jody. I'm the Vice President of Marketing for Barcoding, Inc., Uh, I have been there just over 11 years now and have obviously learned quite a lot over that 11 years, especially here in that last 18 months. Um, Previously, I was actually working in publishing. I worked in the financial publishing realm. So I came into this industry very, very green. I had no idea. And actually, funny story, my first VARTEC, I remember attending a networking event. Yes. And I walked in, and everyone already knew everyone. So I thought, what kind of networking <laughs> event is this? Um, but got to know everybody, and now I feel like part of the club. So um, in terms of marketing, I, I really brought my publishing background to my job and was able to craft my role at barcoding um, in, in a way that would make me feel like I was doing things in the way that I wanted them done. Um, So I take a very content-heavy approach to marketing. I'm very biased towards education and thought leadership and really focusing in on marketing being a value versus an intrusion um, or an annoyance. So there's there's nothing that I would hate to be uh, associated with, you know, is it's like, oh, you're a marketer, like, boo, right. like, I don't, I don't want that. So um, I really focus on trying to create things of value for both our employees and then obviously for our partners and our customers. So that's my bias. That's my strength. Yeah. And uh, that's what I've brought to barcoding. You, nice. you don't want to feel like you're that person that when you say I'm in marketing, go, oh, so you're responsible for all those dumb emails I get, those right. pop-ups that I see, the yeah. ads that have nothing to do with me. 
you don't that's want right. that. That's, no, that's not that. that's not the kind of marketing we're going for. Or the tchotchkes that I got at the last show. <laughs> yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh, that drives me that crazy. That too, yes. Yeah, yeah, the the yeah. stuff they stuck in your bag that you would never otherwise exactly. ask for or yeah. ever use. Yeah. Right, right, right. Well, then let's start off by, you mentioned, obviously you've learned a lot over the last year, half, 18 months, 20 months. I don't know where we're at at this point. Far too many months. Tell us about some of the things you did learn, what, it, what worked and what didn't work for you, and, and how do you feel like you had to shift your strategy of barcoding ink in order to, to compensate for the world turning upside down? Yeah, so barcoding, you know, we're, we're in the same business as you all. We're a supply chain automation innovation company. We are across the U.S. and Canada, so we had expanded into Canada right before uh, the world came to an end, which was actually relatively convenient and had nothing to do with strategy, just kind of happened that way. Um, but we, we had always taken a brand-first approach. So for me, what that means is really building shared purpose and fostering a sense of belonging, right? So if I can make people feel like they belong to something and that they really have this, this core reputation in their minds, I'm facilitating sales conversations, I'm doing my part, right? So we had you know, worked for many, many years to build up our brand in the industry, and, and I, I kind of called it brainwashing my staff to really make sure that they all said the same brand. That's <laughs> the brilliant. Brand stuff. No, so that's like, good. Okay, yep. everyone, be efficient, accurate, connected. Say it again. Be efficient, <laughs> accurate, connected. Um, but we had worked really, really hard on that. So when, when uh, we were at Modex 2020, if, I don't know if any of you all were at Modex 2020, um, call it the last trade show on earth, mm. and, uh, and got home from that trade event and was automatically thrown into crisis communications. I do not have a background in crisis communications. And all of a sudden was really faced with pausing everything I was doing and, and helping the leadership team manage through the communication effort that needed to occur, right? Yeah. Um, and that, that became the number one job. And I'm sure you, know, you all understand this, you all felt it. And so that number one job I took very, very seriously. And how do we make sure that people know what it is that our plan is? Um, how do we make sure that we, we help people along and we facilitate these conversations? So transparency, trust, right, go hand in hand. But really soon thereafter, the real crisis component, it was, well, how do we continue to talk to our customers? Um, and should we be selling? Like, should we be marketing things like, hey, like, is now the right time to be like, you should buy this? You know, I know that you're furloughing staff and, you know, struggling with your families, but uh, you should really consider buying from us. It felt awkward. It felt like there was a a real core, 100%. dissonant core, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Like I think it was everybody this moment did. of like, right. yeah. how, how am I supposed to be a marketer in this space? Right. So, you know, kind of thinking through, and I'm walking through this because I think it goes into the approach, right? Going inward and saying to myself, okay, well, what value do I still provide as a marketer if I really can't be out there pushing, right? Um, and, and one of the things that I thought about was, okay, well, marketing is communications. That's a component of it, right? And we are the communications experts, in our organization. So how do we personally connect with people during this time? And so I, I actually would come up with these, these emails to our customers and I'd write it like I was writing it to one individual person. Mm. And one of our biggest you know, open rates of that entire time was an email that was titled, hey, how you doing out there? <laughs> and that was really the, that was the email, like, hey, how are you doing out there? And just that little touch point really meant a lot to people that we, were, we saw and recognized what they were going through, and we weren't going to use that opportunity to try to exploit, uh, exploit it, right? Mm -hmm. One of the other things is, you know, when you talk about getting creative, right, there's lots of creative people on your teams, and so we thought about people all, the, all of a sudden being both parents and employees, right, and leaders of their organizations. And so our team wanted to do some coloring pages. It's like, all right, <laughs> let's do it. Like, let's create things that people want to use um, that still fit our brands. They're a supply chain related. They're right. actually right adorable. Right, yeah. They just made a book out of it and it's, it's primo, so you should check it out. Um, <laughs> but you know, enabling those types of moments to say like, what are we seeing out there? How can we be just humans? How can we think about the person on the other end and what's gonna be appropriate for them at that moment? So that's one of the, the ways that we kind of went back and said, where are we going to provide the most value and how are we going to continue to build a brand that still has that shared purpose and that loyalty? Because ultimately, that trust is what's going to you know, drive our revenue in the future. And I think for barcoding, we really play the long game, mm -hmm. right? So when, 
we started to see new solutions coming out around the pandemic. One of the things that we, I felt very, you know, I felt really strongly about was vetting to make sure this was a long-term solution for customers before we started to market it. Is this something that's going to cause some unintended consequences? Is something that's more complex than it appears on the surface? Um, so it's not to say we didn't want to get involved with new revenue streams, but it was saying, you know, really what's going to be best for our customers and is this the right time to be jumping in those markets? Like wow, it. there's a lot to unpack Definitely. there. And thank you for taking us through that journey because yes. you're absolutely right. There was that whole crisis. Come, I totally, I just had like a flashback. So thanks, Jody. Yeah, you sorry know, I kind of that. forgotten about where I was March 17th of last year and the crisis communication that we were all kind of a part of, yeah. right? I totally remember that. But but really good stuff there. You know, and, and coming out of it, uh, I love the fact that you that you mentioned the fact that you you know wanted to vet the new solutions that were being brought to the table, and I can tell you, Blue Star struggled with that because, oh my gosh, it seemed like people were coming out of the woodwork. They saw opportunity. I'm using full air quotes here. Mm -hmm. um, that hey, the marketplace has a need for all these types of solutions. We were getting inundated. It's like, hold on, you know, is this are these valid solutions? And so for me, it was a, a little bit of a lesson in communications in general. Right? You you need to have that vetting process, but between whatever is being communicated out uh, from your brand, right? Yep. And so it kind of reinforced that whole uh, perspective. You know, you were talking, and I wrote down fostering the belonging, you know, fostering the fact that people were belong to whatever. And I think that's brilliant because people are starting to get it, lose a sense of that. And maybe it's a little bit of an anomaly of what we went through in the pandemic, but talk to us about some of the tactics then. What did you tactically do besides just email to try to keep that community going and maybe some stuff that you still continue to do to do that. Yeah, so we, a few years ago at ProMat, so I get, I get highly creative sometimes to my detriment, but I wanted to do a theme. Yeah. So this is a backstory. So I wanted to do a theme at, at ProMat and I wanted it to be uh, geek themed because I had come up with a formula to help brainwash my staff. If you remember, I was brainwashing. So be efficient, accurate, connected equals you know, increased cost or in increased cash, you know, reduced cost and improved customer experience. EAC equals C cubed, super, super nerdy. Nice. So I was like, this will be cool. Like blah, nice. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so as we're talking about this theme, I'm like, oh, I wonder if we could hashtag supply chain geek, right? And make like t-shirts and, you know, so this, this all started and we thought to ourselves, this is going to go really good or it's going to go <laughs> really bad. And we went to the show and we're like, let's just do it. Like, will people have a sense of humor about this? And will they say, and will they raise their own hands and say, I'm part of this supply chain geek community, essentially? Well, good for us. It did, it did work. People did raise their hands and say, that's awesome. That's me. That is exactly me. I'm very passionate about this. And so when we were faced with the pandemic, um, one of the things that was obviously clear was that supply chain was vaulted to the top of everyone's minds. Yeah. I, you know, supply chain went viral, right? No all doubt. of a sudden, and supply chain. Not in a great, chain, good way. No, all of a sudden, <laughs> it's on everyone's minds. Everyone's talking about it. And um, one of the things that we wanted to, to do and put out there as part of this community is we're all kind of united in this. So Supply Chain Geek United, we went out and kind of used that as a social media strategy, um, just kind of changed some of our our headers, we had some email signatures created for our, our team to kind of reinforce these at different touch points um, that people might be engaging with us. And I'm always thinking about whatever, you know, tactic that we want to come out with, I want it to, I want it to have value in lots of different ways, right? So I never want it to be in a vacuum. I always want it to have legs outside of that. And so I'm always thinking first, like, how do my fellow employees, how will they how will they accept this? Will they use it? Will they find value, right? So I start there, then customers and partners and kind of that soup. So social media strategy around Supply Chain Geek United. Uh, of course, the world was changing outside of the pandemic too, right? So we were faced with lots of challenges in this, this human reckoning, right? Like so many things have come under scrutiny of like, are these the right ways to be doing things? Mm -hmm. Are we really building organizations in the right way? Are we really thinking about all people, right? So, you know, taking opportunities and moments to know when we knew we could be truthful with a message and when we knew it would be empty words and stepping back. So one of the things, one of my lessons learned outside of the pandemic 
when Black Lives Matter really came to fruition was saying, do we have something that we can say on this? Are we living it? Are we really going to be transparent and truthful if we go out with a message, right? If we aren't, we should not jump in that pool, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, right? And so these were all these lessons, and that was also with COVID. Like, when do we mm-hmm. be qui- When are we yep. just quiet, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. right? And when right. do we actually mm-hmm. stop marketing and just be quiet and listen? Um, and so those were lots of moments over the last eight, 18 months of, like, knowing when to go out with a message and when to not. So, you know, certainly tactically coming up with a community to say – hey, we're all in this together, and lots of different design touch points around that. But we also recognized that there was going to be a lack of events, right? And we're all going to be stuck at home. Um, So last year, we developed what we called Supply Chain Geek Day. It was virtual. And we just had, you know, a bunch of speakers come, and we had this whole day, and we had an award at the end, and I, I popped one of those poppers, and it became a gift, which I'm super proud of. Um, but well, yeah, it's all over my people. office. There's still funfetti like all over my office. Very um, nice. But it, you know, that's kind of spurred some more creative thinking of like, okay, that was really well received. We right. were still able to host an event. It was our first ever like truly virtual event, mm-hmm. and that's what carried us into kind of this year. Flash forward was like we knew 2020. We saw the writing on the wall. We did not believe that events were coming back in 2021 to the extent that they were prior, at least especially not in the first couple quarters. And so I wanted to go into this year with kind of a a program that would enable us to work with our partners, um, allow us to expand our educational reach, our social reach, our search engine reach, um, but not have to reinvent the wheel every time. Because we knew people were going to be coming to us for ideas, right? So you all know as of our, you know, your, your OEM partners and your ISV partners are always looking for ideas. So we came up with our huddle program. And the huddles are a monthly conversation. We host them on Zoom. They are panel discussions. They're not, they're not scripted. Um, so the panelists have to trust me that I'm not going to lead them astray. <laughs> um, but that gave us this foundation for the year when we were going to be lacking events. And so... You know, there's, there is a lot to unpack here. I mean, I feel like I'm answering lots of questions all at once, but I just think that there's so much opportunity out there when you, when you are able to slow down a little bit and kind of look and understand who you're trying to message and how you want people to be involved and what kind of community you want to build. The barcoding community might be different than the community and culture that you have at your organization, but chances are there's things in your organization that really make you unique and you have individuals in your company who are super passionate about what they do, and those are the people that you can tap into for ideas. Man, so much good stuff there. And you know, one thing I want to touch on is like I, I like that you talked about this idea of uh, th- these touch points and things that were happening where you had to decide: Do we talk about this right now? Is do we need to talk about this, or should we just keep our mouth closed? Because I remember literally one of our earliest podcasts that we recorded with Cordy last year mm-hmm. was all about creative marketing in a crisis and marketing right. during a oh, crisis. Yeah. Absolutely. And both, we were all talking about all these weird emails you suddenly started getting, right. you know, yes. like airlines putting out emails of like, Hey, now's the best time to fly. Now it's not. <laughs> I No, that's probably not the message right now. And so, and, and, you know, and the black lives matter movement, you know, all this like social upheaval, a insane political cycle last year and there were so many opportunities to get marketing wrong yeah. last year and so many companies that you definitely saw do that that just felt the need like well we got to say something right like no sometimes the best marketing is just not marketing right now and i i love that you were you were thoughtful about that and you actually cared about you know understanding like should we talk about this and if we do do we sound like we're just idiots if we start talking about this right now? full credit to my team too my team you know is out there kind of paying attention our leadership team is paying attention so um, I had really good guidance I won't take full credit for that one (laughs) well still that's awesome part of the takeaway for me there is that you know in in that in those moments and I think some of the lasting thing when you think about creative marketing and, and some takeaways even moving forward is what I like that you gave scrutiny to your audience and you gave scrutiny to the message, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes that does require a pause. You know, you don't have to be all in. Uh, I love things that are a little bit more well thought out and, and scripted and is this the right time and stuff like that and making sure you're honing the message appropriately uh, along the way. So th- I think those are a couple very strong. It doesn't matter if you're in the middle of a once in a lifetime pandemic or 
if we're fast forward five years from now, I think the same scrutiny applies. You know, it's kind of like some of these golden rules of marketing that there should be some scrutiny behind the audience and behind the message, uh, you know, to make sure that it's in line. Well, I mean, there's, I mean, us marketers feel that maybe the world's going to come to end if we don't, if we're not on social media <laughs> right, for a day. Right. But like in reality, I learned actually the world didn't come it to didn't, end yeah, when I wasn't on social media there. for a day. So. And no one's out there going, why didn't barcoding say something about this? <laughs> barcoding left us in the lurch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm never buying with them again. They, didn't they didn't say anything it's about it. part of the Armageddon. Yeah, exactly. Uh, oh, so you, man. you kind of hinted at this a little bit already in the idea that obviously, you know, you knew that in-person events weren't going to happen and you knew that was probably going to last longer than people wanted or were expecting or predicting it to be. So has, how has your opinion changed about face-to-face -face marketing, about some of the things you may have done before that you haven't done since or haven't done the same way since? Do you feel like there's things that you've decided, hey, there's no need to do this the way we used to before. Let's move forward with what we're doing now. Or do you think there's going to be just kind of a backslide at some point in the future where people are like, all right, let's, let's just go back to the old-fashioned old way? Or should there be even? You know, I, I really think it's this wonderful opportunity to rethink lots of different things across your company. I think it's one of those, if you look at the silver lining of all this, is it's that, that brilliant, you know, one in, once in a lifetime chance to be like, hey, why are we doing this? Um, and, and why are we doing it this particular way? Because in marketing, there's a million ways to do it, which, it, you know, for those of you who are like, wow, you know, why is she telling us everything that she does? Because you're gonna do it completely differently. Do you know what I mean? There's a million ways to do it. Um, so rethinking, I think, is really a, a gift that came out of this time frame, and that's my prop, <laughs> Jenny. Huh. It's like a so, physical <laughs> prop. <laughs> it's a physical yeah. prop. I just finished this book on the airplane here. It's called Think Again. It's by Adam Grant. It just came out, um, but they, it talks through different strategies for how to rethink and how to um, reconsider positions and how to actually constantly change your mind because that's not actually a bad thing. Um, and you can actually determine a lot of things um, by, you know, debating and having healthy debates and kind of being open to changing your mind. Um, so one of the things that was interesting about this book is they talked about the Wright brothers and how they constantly debated how to do things. I mean, they would have these fights, right? And like mm -hmm. Wilbur would be like, oh, I love scrapping with, you know, Orville and like blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> The great thing was they were debating ideas, right? They weren't saying, like, you suck. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, and one of the things that, they, that came out of their most heated debate, right, and this is from the book, was about the propeller. And Wilbur had one idea for how to build a propeller, and Orville had an idea how to build the propeller. And what they actually determined coming out of this was that they were both wrong. And the entire <laughs> world had been wrong about it because you needed two, right? Ah. Okay, so sometimes we look at what we're doing tactically and we're looking for ways to incrementally improve that tactic, mm -hmm. right? But it might not be the right tactic. It just might not be the right approach at all. It might need, we might need to rethink the entire component. So um, I really encourage that in, in, our, in, our, in how we, we think mm -hmm. about things. And when it comes to face-to-face, -to -face, um, I think when I think about the weighing different tactics, I go back to that, that ultimate brand mission, right? So if I'm going to build my brand and I need shared purpose and I need to foster belonging, this, this spark that happens in person is very important, right? A lot of my marketing had been built to be in person. Right. We had an That's executive right. forum series, like we were a very events-based marketing organization. So when all that went out the table, we had to start to translate how do we connect with people using mediums that are now available that weren't, aka video, right? We weren't using video before to that degree. And then how do we make those mediums foster a personal, authentic connection versus, let's say, a webinar, right? Where you're kind of going through slides. There's a place for a webinar, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that was, my, that was what we mm -hmm. started to think through. Like, okay, we want the benefit of the spark of in-person, which ultimately, you know, comes down for, to spontaneity, Right? So spontaneity is what really drives the impact of an in-person event, an in-person opportunity. I might run into someone and we have a, a brilliant conversation. So how do I bring spontaneity into the virtual space? Right? That, to me, became our central question. And that's one of the reasons why our huddle series that I mentioned is not scripted. Because mm -hmm. if it's scripted, all of a sudden I'm sucking the spontaneity out of it. So I want to have just enough structure that uh, my, you know, my guests, my partners 
I know that we're going to have a productive conversation, but I don't want to, I don't want to take that away. I do think you guys are all part of this in-person events are coming back. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that, yeah, I don't think that they went away. I just think that they took a pause, but I do think people are rethinking what it means to be in person because now these things are blended, right? So we're live, you know, broadcasting a a podcast that'll be used on the digital realm after the fact. So Again, I believe in quality now over quantity. I think when I first started my career, it was quantity because we needed to get the ball rolling. We needed to get that snowball rolling. So if you're in an organization where you're more in startup mode, you may still need to be in that quantity realm. Like you still want, you know, good value and, and, you know, you want to provide good value, but you might be at a a higher rate. Um, We're in this space where we're established and we need to really focus on quality. And so when I do an effort... Um, I want it to have many, many different implications or implications. So the huddles should serve uh, multiple purposes. They should build and strengthen partner relationships. They should, you know, build and strengthen our brand as a thought leader. They should be fun because, <laughs> you know, our brand is is also fun. They should be something that we can translate into other types of marketing materials. So can we transcribe mm-hmm. them? Can we use them um, through a social campaign? Can we live tweet while we're doing it? Can we push the video out after the fact? Can that video be, you know, kind of keyword ready on YouTube so we're taking advantage of that search engine? We know that other search engines are obviously keen on video content because it's fresh and it's relevant. So that's going to ultimately play into how we build our our website pages and and things like that. So um, lots of different goals and things within that one little program, right? So one program, but lots of impact. Awesome. Going back to some of the face-to-face stuff that you were talking about uh, on, on that question, I agree with you. You know, I think face-to-face isn't going away, obviously. We're here. Uh, but it is going to change. I think that the quality, and, we, and John and I, you, we've talked about it this on the podcast, right. about how, you know, the experience, if you go out and do things now, you want the quality to be much higher. And so I think that that is one of the takeaways, that if you were doing events, and you will still do events, because the spark happens and the spontaneity happens. Couldn't agree with you more, Jody. We have had that feedback at this show that, oh my gosh, you know what, I had that conversation. We've had vendors come up to us and say, oh, you know, we had the conversation. I've learned three new features that we need to incorporate because we had the conversation. It sparked an idea. There was the spontaneity that happened. But... I think events are, have to be highly quality, you know, quality-driven type of events where, where the agenda is spot on, you know, the folks that are there, there's a reason for them to be there, and there's a need to have that. So sharpening your pencil, if you will, on why events are happening, relevant. Yeah, if it's relevant. just the same old, hey, we're going to sit you down in a conference room for six hours and run a bunch of PowerPoint slides. Yeah, or it's an excuse to go, whatever. Go to the bar and stuff right, like that. Yeah, right, exactly. yeah, exactly. If that's all it is, yeah. If it's just, if it's a, you know, we, as people like to joke about Vartech, Varcation, you know. Right, right, right. Like, if you're just doing it because you're on vacation and pretending you're at a conference, or if you're doing it where you're just boring people to death for hours on end, don't bring that back. That does not need to come back. It's time to think about something new. It's time to try something different. It's time to take what you have learned over this past X amount of months and what worked. I mean, again, just this podcast is an example of that. We would have never thought about doing something like this sure, when no, we were having yeah. a session yeah. that we treated well, as a normal session, but actually recording it and releasing yeah. it as yeah. part of our normal you know, stream of marketing efforts. And here we are. I, yeah. I, I imagine we'll probably do this every Vartech from now on. Oh, 100%. And Jody hit on it. I mean, I love the idea of once you create an asset like a podcast or, some, or an event, leverage the heck out of it. You yeah. know, Try to get as much out of that event in this case piece of content that you create and maybe in another case or a video that you create, leverage as much of that as you possibly can. I mean, if you're going to put the heart and soul into making the event or whatever it is as best as it can, think creatively about how you can leverage that as well. Don't just check the box. Oh, yeah, we got that done. You know, we're done. We're moving on to the next thing. Pause. Think about it a little bit. It's more, it's worth the effort to put into those types of things than it is to try to get a lot of things done. Love what you said. It's more quality than quantity now, right? Well, I've had people approach me even this week already and say, hey, we're thinking about starting a podcast. Should we do it? Mm-hmm. And to which my answer is like, I, you tell me. Like, let's, let's, you know, tell me what's going on in your business right now. Who are you trying to reach? Are the people you're trying to reach in places where you think that they're going to be listening to podcasts or that, you know, do you have some kind of channel you can put it out to? What do you have to talk about? You know, do you have enough topics to sustain several episodes you have people that you can bring in as guests do you have people on staff 
that you feel like can manage a podcast. And if you don't have answers to any of those questions, figure that stuff out first before you decide to do it. Don't just do it because it's the cool hip thing to do right now. Do it because you, you feel like you need to do it, you want to do it, and there's a legitimate place for it in your business. That's fine. You know, it's, but you got to take some time and think about oh, those d- things. D- I agree with you, dude. I mean, I think when you think about it, you know, and I wrote down focus on the medium because as marketers, you can, there's a lot of squirrels running around. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, squirrel, oh, we can do this, we can do that. And then you've got executives coming. Should I get on hey, TikTok? Should I get on Instagram? Should right. I do, yeah. You got people What's the coming. What's cool new to, thing? Yeah. By the way, nobody gives more opinions of what people should do than to the marketing department. Oh yeah. You know, it's like everybody comes into the marketing department. Hey, I got a great idea on what we should do. Nobody goes into accounting and says, "Hey, I got a better way to do that budget." <laughs> I think you should do numbers differently. <laughs> <laughs> so we're always getting that feedback, right? So you have to be able to buffer that. Um, but I like how you focused on a medium with your with your huddles. That's just brilliant because I think that that's if you hone it like you guys have, uh, now you have structured asset uh, and workflow that pe- that your audience can get in sync with and come to expect and see true value out of it. Yeah, it's great. yeah. I'll add to because I think um, John, you brought up a good point. The the resource you know component of this. Um, barcoding doesn't have a, a large marketing department. So it's myself, we have a, des- a lead designer, and I have a part-time kind of marketing coordinator, and I do have now agency support. But these types of things do require resources, but I think that's where you have to be really strategic. So we needed to be efficient, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if we're going to create a program, it has to be efficient and it has to be repeatable. It's not that different from engineering a solution, right? Marketing a website is a living, breathing oh, product, yeah. right? So we knew we needed a, a program that was going to be very efficient for us to run while still maintaining all of our goals. So that would also encourage you to think about your resources and what you do have available and how you can get more efficient with those resources by programmatizing something that you that you want to do and, and leveraging that uh, month over month or quarter over quarter versus as a one-time hit. Yeah, that is a very good point. That's kind of what I wanted to get to in our next question too, which is... Sorry about I, that. No, 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 it's fine. <laughs> You're the perfect guest because you help us segue right into what we need to talk about. But that is a very good point because I'm sure there are plenty of our, our listeners here today and listeners and viewers at, at home that are thinking, hey, I don't, I'm not the size of barcoding. You know, like I, I am a relatively small reseller. I have maybe a small local regional market. I definitely don't have marketing people on staff. You know, I got a couple of people that maybe might be good at some of this stuff, but not all of it. So I guess that's where I want us to talk about the idea of creative marketing and what, what does that really mean to you, even if you don't have the department or the resources for it? And, and also, you know, how do you, how do you stretch yourself to, you know, to find new creative outlets, but still keep that brand identity that you've, you've talked about a lot in place, yet knowing that's still like, hey, we got to try something different and new from time to time. It can't just be XYZ brand all the time, because at some point that might get stale, but we still might still need to branch out too. Yeah, so I'll go back to knowing who who you're trying to reach. So going back and making sure the marketing department really is well versed in the business and strategic goals. It can't be, you know, marketing's over here and sales is over here, right? So you know, if if there is a divide between sales and marketing and leadership in the organization, that's kind of number one thing to to fix, right? Because I need to know, um, you know, is a majority of my revenue going to be coming from brand new organizations? in which case I really need to hone in on the types of people that are my champions versus my influencers versus my buyers, right? Or is a lot of my revenue coming from my existing client base? Is a lot of my revenue coming from a certain region, right? Or do I know where I want to grow? So all of those factors that are really happening at the business level will impact how you start to creatively figure out what's going to be cool for your marketing. And so when I'm, ta- when I'm thinking about my customers, how, and, and how marketing is going to impact them, I know that I need to really reinforce the decision that they already made, right? So there's different marketing tactics that will reinforce for someone that confidence in their decision and, and just reassure them that they already made the right decision. So a lot of, uh, for example, a lot of auto automobile ads that you see aren't necessarily to get you to buy a brand new car. They are to give you confidence and to reassure you in the car that you already bought, Right, so you're still part of it. You're still getting that branding. Um, so, so thinking about so when you look back at your organization, how you plan to grow and where you think that you can grow the fastest or the you know with the most strategic, that's where you want to focus your marketing. 
And from there, the, the creativity piece to me is, is really based in, um, it's, it's an innovation. It's, it's an innovation conversation. So when, we're, when I'm thinking about creativity, now I was a creative writing major and I write poetry. <laughs> Not fair. Uh, woo. Um, so uh, yes, I'm a, I'm a creative person by nature, but everybody can tap into their creativity. And sometimes it, it really involves finding that right person. So, okay, so this is my example. There's people, there, in every single industry, there are people who are absolutely obsessed with what they do. And it may be super, super nerdy to you, but they <laughs> love it, right? And you, everyone knows this person, and they'll talk yep. to you for like 30 minutes about their job, and you're like, wow, I just don't care. But I love that you care. <laughs> and I am now feeling inspired because you care so much about this like crazy little thing that you do. So no matter what industry you're in, and this is, this is good for like a lot of manufacturers and things, they might say, oh, I just make this little ball bearing. Like, who would care? There are people who care, and they care deeply about this, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, they care deeply. Yes, they do. Um, so I looked at our own industry, right? AIDC. What's one thing that we all deeply care about? Any, any guesses? Any guesses? Mm, barcode scanning. Tell us. The barcode. Right? And I went back and I looked at the history and I thought, gosh, this is super fascinating. Wow. Like the innovation that, that was, that went into that for, you know, the guy's like drawn on sand and he's like, you know, thinking things and what's going to work. It's this, there's a Smithsonian article out there. It's fascinating. Look it up. Right? If you've never stopped to think about the barcode and how someone actually invented it. And then not just invented, you know, the barcode, but how do we actually get it to work commercially? Right? So, I started to think about this and then I started to get excited because I'm like, oh, this is what we, you know, this is what we do. I wonder if there's a barcode day. There wasn't. Oh my gosh, there's no barcode day. So <laughs> how I, is that possible? How is that possible? So come on now. I went on the national day calendar and I submitted a proposal. That's <laughs> awesome. You go. And it was for June 26th because on that date in 1974, the first successful commercial scan of a barcode happened in Troy, Ohio, and it was a pack of Wrigley's gum, yep. and, and uh, rest is history, right? Change, watershed moment, right? Imagine our lives without the barcodes, right. not possible. Yeah. Did right? it work? It worked! Yes! That's awesome. <laughs> so I cordially invite all of you to celebrate National Barcode Mark your Day calendar. on June 26th this year. Go. It's an annual event. Um, now, the, the point of this whole story, besides pitching National Barcode Day to all of you... <laughs> <laughs> and getting you to plan your own celebrations, because um, it's a day for everyone, not just for barcoding, is that inspiration can come from lots of places, but it can very often come from things that we're overlooking. And if you go back to things that are interesting or that you find curious or that your people find curious or that you find that other people are super passionate about or you think about the history of something, I guarantee there's a seed of an idea in there that's going to be creative and different for you. And the reason I always say to go to that person who's like really oddly passionate about their particular role is because that bleed, people automatically relate to that. They, you know, you, you light up when you're talking with someone who really loves what they do. Mm -hmm. So starting there and, and finding creative inspiration with that person is a great, start, it's a great starting point. Now for us, you know, these creative ideas do have to have some limits. <laughs> um, but for me, anything that's celebrating the industry, celebrating the people in the industry, that is celebrating the work that we do, um, that is giving customers a reason to celebrate the work that we do, that's fostering partner communications. These are all part of my strategic plans, and, and if, a, if an activity falls into that, like National Barcode Day, then it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Very nice. Join, Very nice. join us. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I, I think you there's know. a lot of good stuff in there, you know, and where I like where you're going, Jody, is, is, the, is the aspect of getting feedback, and, and I'll go back to that. You know, prior to coming to Blue Star, I was in charge of marketing at a very small reseller. I mean, we were a 20 person total employee customer, or I'm sorry, uh, employees. Uh, so I was in charge of sales and marketing and stuff like that. So I kind of made efficient the whole effort. Remember how I was talking about everybody has an opinion on marketing. So I would have a meeting on an annual basis with all the stakeholders. Uh, but we brought in employees too. I mean, everybody. And, and I tried to get everything on the car, all the cards on the table on the one day and say, hey, what are your ideas for next year? How should we market? What's the message? Those types of things. It was my job to make to sift through them and then figure out the tactics, but I wanted to hear the feedback. So I, I think that that's brilliant, and that's a really good bootstrapping way of doing it, which, by the way, we still do today. Blue Star does today. Mm -hmm. And you know what the result of last one of those sessions that we had? 
Blue Star did a cooking show called Bon Appetit. Now, when Mark Fraker came to us and said, you know, or we, we, we were thinking of this idea, and we, it's like, why is a distributor, why would we ever want to do a, a cooking show? There was Mark? a lot of eye rolls. That's, <laughs> there I'm was a honest. lot of eye we, rolls. We didn't it's let like, Mark see him, but... You know, There's plenty of us behind the scenes going, really? I mean, God love show? him. He's a restaurateur, and I, you know, I, I get it. He, lo- he likes to be in the kitchen. But believe it or not, that is one of those sparked ideas. It's probably one of the most successful yep. things we did during Hugely the pandemic. Popular, yeah. We get yeah. 400 live streams you know, every time we did. It's, it's awesome. So uh, it just, yeah, right? Everything that you just said, fostering that. Yeah, I mean, I, I know there's a place in the market space for you know, the fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Like, I'm not saying that there's not. I just... Part of our culture that we've built at Barcoding is we try to take the positive stance. And so I like to I like to be positive. I like to look for the silver lining and I like to market in that way because I think ultimately, especially in disrupted times, the positivity is gonna rise because people are craving it. And again, marketing in general, right? All we really want is for people to want to do business with us of their own free will, right? Um, that they want to recommend us and refer us to people that they know and that they want to feel really confident that what we said we were going to do, we did, and they feel good about it, right? And they can tell their boss, I made a really good decision, right? And then they can tell others and that strengthens my brand. So the tactics are great, but you have to sometimes step back and say like, okay, are these ultimately leading to my reputation as being this kind of reputation or that kind of reputation? And so I, I tend to be careful with the, 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 the negative style of marketing because I do think ultimately I'd rather my reputation be on the positive side. I agree, 100%. Yeah, I'm, I'm aware with you. But you know, the other thing too this makes me think of is, again, if you're someone out there who's saying to themselves, hey, I don't know that we've got the people for this, is to your point, you probably have that at least yeah, one people. very nerdy, very passionate person about whatever it is you do. Every business, whatever does. it is you sell. Every yeah, business has it. There's, I guarantee you, there's at least that one person, and that oh, yeah. person potentially is your marketing person. Right. Just if nothing else, because of their enthusiasm, their positivity, they're probably already the person that you frequently make sure is out front, like at a trade show, or is out front with your customers. The person that is getting people hyped up about your product. That's a big part of what marketing's about. You know, and, and again, like to Dean's point, you know, this cooking show thing, no idea that was going to work. The podcast is another one. You know, if Dean had started a Blue Star podcast and had not involved me. Oh, I would have been, been in crushed. trouble. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I would have been heartbroken. And he knew it because literally when he interviewed me four years ago, long before we ever got around to doing this, he mentioned something about Blue Star at some point having tried out a podcast. That's right. And may consider it again. And I immediately, that perked my ears up. I'm like, I'm in. I'm in. Right. Whenever you get around to that, I'm in, and sure enough, it happened. And it's because I'm excited about podcasts. I was that guy, yeah. when I started listening to him at some point you know, right. years ago, I was talking to everybody, oh, I'm listening to this podcast. People probably were just like, oh, God. I have friends goes, like that. Yeah, there goes John talking about his podcast again, whatever, you know. But you do. You need those kind of people. When you find that person, that person can be, that's your champion, that's your brand ambassador. Well, it can be part of the creativity, marketer. right? If you're looking right. for the creative, and it's genuine, it's like, it's like, honest feedback. Yep. I love going to the engineers and figuring cuz they got they're they're elbows deep in what's going on in the real world and they know what features are working, what benefits are not working and stuff like that. You get that feedback then it's your and you can get creative too. Uh, whatever it is cuz everybody like I said, everybody's got an opinion of marketing. It's just a matter of combing through it, finding the good ideas and and then deploying the right tactic to make it. I agree. Happen. Well, let's wrap up with the main part of this conversation with, you know, two key questions here, which one what kind of marketing do you feel has been most useful with our end users or the VAR audience end users? And is there any is there any time when you do feel like you just have to call it and move on? Like, is there any, I know these things may seem kind of separate, but at the same time, I feel like a lot of people go out and they just do the same kind of marketing over and over and over and over again without really thinking about what's working and what's not. So tell us where you think you've, you've seen success that is lasting success, but then also what kind of stuff and at what point do you say, we got to stop doing this. It's time to quit this. It's just not going where we need it to. So in terms of, you know, kind of that lasting success, um, one thing is that not all marketing is glamorous and cooking shows and national barcode days, (laughs) right? I mean, I I think, I hope I see some nodding heads. Sometimes the work is not glamorous and sometimes the most lasting, you know, initiative that you can take is really understanding your data and, and really diving into the work of going through the database, right? And 
it's not glamorous, but it's still marketing and it's still understanding what data you already have and what, what you still need to know and how do we better use the information that we already have. So one of the things that the, the pandemic has uh, you know, enabled me to be able to do at Barcoding is to go and spend time in my database. And that's really because in-person events went away and th those are very labor intensive. So for anyone out there who's an event planner of any sort or has ever planned a party, right? There, it's intense and it takes up a lot of time. And granted, I still believe they're, they're quite worth it. But because they were off the table, I was able to focus on my database, right? What's the health of my database? Am I actually reaching people or is it going to waste? Um, what types of people are actually responding to what types of messages? What do we still not know? What is not being connected back to our ERP system? So that I, you know, if, and, and because that's missing, what am I not understanding, right? So spending time on, on the unglamorous initiatives is also really, really key and important. Um, so that's, that's one thing that I would kind of recommend uh, you, you spend some time doing. Uh, the other thing is, you know, a lot of people will already say this, but, you know, think about your digital space and take the time to build that to be a living, breathing product that you spend time on just like any other product. So your website isn't a static, you know, billboard for your company. It is a living, breathing product. It is a product of your company. And most likely you have lots of different interactions happening on that website at any given time that you need to understand. And, and they're not all about leads, right? A lot of your website is being used in lots of different ways and it's, it, it needs care and attention. And that's one thing that we really focused on this year was um, moving our website to a more sustainable foundation, which in our case we use HubSpot. So if there's HubSpot users out there and you wanna connect with me, I'm happy to talk. Um, moving it to a more sustainable foundation um, it, and then starting 90-day, you know, rolling programs where we're not lo just looking at the editorial calendar, but we're also looking at um, our progress on certain search engine optimization goals, um, certain topic cluster goals, and some of this language, you know, gets a little deep. But basically, how are we doing on certain, you know, focal topics that we want the audience to know we have authority in? And then are, they, are the search engines finding that as authority? Are the people finding that as authority? Blah, blah, blah. Um, so spend some time not just doing digital because everyone says we need to be doing digital, but think about your website as a product. How would you care and support that product? How would you invest in that product? How would you, you know, um, build future investment plans for that product? Who would get engaged with that product? And I think that will really, really help. Um, and then think of that, that digital sphere as that opening to lots of different ways to grow your business. And, and that goes back to who you're trying to ultimately talk to. Is it, is it more your existing customers? Is it brand new markets, et cetera? So that's something that we, you know, our website was a huge, huge project and everything related to that, which impacts all of your content planning, you know, everything that you do, honestly, is impacted by your website. And then um, the, the database and going back to the foundational elements that are gonna make us really strong for the future. In terms of things that haven't worked, <laughs> I'm like kind of a pack rat, so I, I, I don't like to give up on things. Like I always find some reason why it was a right? success. Yeah. But look, okay, so that's just one opportunity like, out of it. That's yeah, such a marketing thing yeah. to say, right? It like, is, totally. Oh, yeah. oh, leadership. No, no, no. It wasn't that it didn't work. It, it worked. <laughs> it just worked in this way. It was unexpected. With the world it. just wasn't ready for it yet. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, that's so awesome. I, so there's nothing I would say that I've like given up on, but there's things that we've like, learned from and pivoted. Um, so I try to take some sort of learning from everything, and we may not just continue with that exact, you know, process, but how do we, like, pick it up and then, you know, kind of iterate on it? Uh, there's another book I'll recommend. It's called The Technology Fallacy, and this is really about the intersection of people and technology, which is what we do for a living with our customers, but it's also what marketers do. And it's trying to understand how people move through space, right, how people interact with technology, and then what do those interactions with technology then create, right? Mm -hmm. So the example in the book is duct tape. So duct tape, as all of you have ever used it in your life, that was not an intended use of that product when it was created, right? <laughs> no, Nobody uses duct tape the way it was actually inherently yeah. created. The way people interact with duct tape has actually uncovered all these hidden affordances that that, that technology brings to the table. 
So as people interact with technology, which is whether you're talking about your customers interacting with the technology you're selling or the technology you're producing, like your website, inherent, like things will occur. People will change. And then, and then their you know, experience with that will change. And you need to be aware that those things are still valid. So your website might not be used the way that you thought it would be. That yep. content piece may not be used the way you thought it would be. And that's why you always have to follow up because... Um, you can't just create a PDF, send it to the sales team and say, see you later, right? Because they may use it in a completely different, different way, way. Yeah. than yeah. you mm-hmm. thought that they were going to use it. And that tells you something, right? That's a little kernel of data that you can use to improve the next time. So so you're saying duct tape is not to hold a fender on a car? <laughs> that wasn't the original intent? Maybe not the original intent, but a good intent. <laughs> or to hold that fabric over the light in our studio so that right. the head doesn't shine every time yeah. we do a podcast. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Going back to the one question before we move on, you know, the whole calling it, because I like where you're going, Jody, with your whole um, journey of kind of refreshing your digital, diving in. When you couldn't do face-to-face, you dove into the digital. What does my data look like? What does my website look like? Really kind of honing that. One of the things that we learned, John, and I mean, quite candidly, is that I think we sharpened our uh, goal setting around end-user demand generation Mm -hmm. campaigns and really kind of refined that. So... I mean, if you, if you invest in the stock market, typically people, well, a lot of people will, will say, well, okay, I'm going to invest $10 in this stock, and, you know, by the time, if it, if it doubles its money in, in a year, that's my goal, you know, and then right. whatever, I'll pull out of it afterwards. Well, setting simple goals like that around your digital campaigns can really be, can almost automate when to call it, if you will, um, just by having some very basic stuff. And it, Hey, if, I, if we get this goal of impressions, click-throughs, whatever it may be, and it achieves it, great. If it doesn't, then, and this is the part that we've kind of pivoted on, it's like, hey, this thing's failing, move on to something else. The message isn't connecting. Uh, digital gives you the opportunity to be very quick in yep. that decision-making and call yep. on it. Yep. You will. I yeah, I completely agree. All right, well, hey, before we close things out with our recurring segments, uh, first of all, Jody, thank you so much. There's been some enlightening conversation here. You you definitely checked off several boxes of things that I get excited about, which when you talked about refreshing websites. Oh, my gosh. Dean probably saw the big smile on oh, my face. Oh, his face lit because up. Because there's not, it's one of my biggest pet peeves. I always rail against websites right. that are outdated and old and clearly haven't been updated since GeoCities was still a thing, you know? <laughs> So I get, oh, that's just, I, it gets me every time. If someone, and they're out there. And, oh, there's a lot of them out there. And a lot so, of them in our sometimes industry, Sometimes people that try to do business with us, and I go look at them and go, mm, not fix that happen. first before we're going to yeah, work right. with you. So, all right. But, hey, uh, we want to, as always, thank our sponsors, Elo, Epson, Honeywell, and Zebra. We thank their, them for their support of this podcast. We could not do it without them. Uh, and, hey, if, if you like what you've seen here today and you're not already a subscriber, please subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on any of the major podcatchers. We're also on YouTube. We film every single episode and put it on Blue Star Inc.'s YouTube page. So you can find us there. Share with a friend. We, you know, word of mouth is the greatest way to get a podcast moving. There's a marketing tip for you right there. No podcast comes out of the gate with, you know, hundreds or thousands of subscribers. Unless no. you're already some super celebrity and have some huge channel it, it takes time. It's it's a long, long road. So it's a long play. It, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So and it's it's worth it, but it's it is a long play. Uh, so hey, uh, if you ever want to reach out to us, also if you have some tips and uh, or some topics you'd like us to get into, some people you'd like to hear from, we want to hear from you. Uh, this show is for you. We want to know what you like. You can reach out to us on Twitter. We're at TechConnectPod. You can also email us TechConnect at BlueStarInc.com. All right. Hey, let's wrap things up. We have two recurring segments we do at the end of our shows. The first is value to the VAR. This is where we try to like to, to tie up the show with a nice little bow and, and give you a takeaway, that you, something you can do right now with your business or with your, you know, uh, your work and your efforts. So, uh, Jody, obviously, I'll let you start here. You know, what, what should they be self-evaluating about their marketing efforts right now in order to start down this path of maybe getting more creative and figuring out what's next for their marketing? I would start with engagement, and I would look at whether your own uh, staff is engaged with your marketing, um, obviously your customers, your partners, but start there and see if, is, see if what you're doing is, uh, is meeting the standard that is, you know, will people spend time? Will they spend like a minute of their precious time on something that you've created? And if they're not willing to spend time, Let's go back to the drawing board. And I think engagement is a really strong uh, indicator of whether what you're doing is sparking 
some something in that other person, right? And so engagement can be measured in lots of different ways. It can be feedback, frankly, that you're getting, right, from team members or from customers. Um, it can be measured, obviously, in the social sphere. It can be measured in email opens and clicks and things like that. But I would start with engagement. Okay. Good. Jody, what was the, what, what, what's your phrase that you tried to drill into the heads of all your employees again? One more time. It was our tagline. Be efficient, accurate, connected. Like efficient, it. accurate, and connected. I love that. Folks, if you have one takeaway here, because um, what I wrote down is team buy-in. You know, as marketers, we do an awful lot to try to create, try to be creative around it. But at the end of the road, if you don't have buy-in, one of the ways that you can help yourself is to get buy-in from the rest of the company on what you're trying to do and the message that you're trying to deliver all the way down to your support staff, whoever it is. If they understand what it is and the message that you're trying to get across, that can, have, that can reap a lot of rewards. Then you can start taking it to the next level where they're taking it to their social platforms, et cetera, et cetera. It's a good tactic, strong tactic. You can start deploying today and you might not even think about it. You're like, oh man, yeah, I'm doing all this work and I didn't even tell the, the company, you know, what we're trying to get done here. Brilliant. Yep. Brilliant. You know, I will add on because you kind of hinted at it earlier when you're talking about the stuff we've learned. And I kind of hinted at it when I was talking about the podcast being the long play is to understand that a lot of marketing doesn't have immediate results. Mm -hmm. uh, you want it to, you would love it to. We would all love to send that email out that just gets. Oh, that's all because the, the executives coming in said, "You sent that out. Where's yeah, my sale?" Exactly. Uh, where's the sales? Hold on you know, there. where's all the people signing up for this? Right. You know, why do we not suddenly have you know right. people beating down the door to work for us because you <laughs> sent that email out? Like, it, it never works that way. I'm sorry. It's rarely, like, rarely, rarely. Rarely. Every once in a great while, it'll happen. You know, right. I mean, you, you and you'll be surprised. But if you have the mindset of, "Hey, this is all kind of a big long play." It's all a matter of just constantly getting out messages, building a brand, building a, an identity for ourselves of who we are, what we're trying to accomplish, what we bring to you as, as potential customers or existing customers. If you're, if you're willing to play that longer game, you already start understanding what it means to be in marketing. And that's the kind of people also that you should be you know, putting in charge of this too, is the folks that, that don't get frustrated because they hit send on that email or scheduled that webinar and only 10 people showed up and five of them dropped off halfway through or they started a podcast and the first you know four episodes had six downloads and they were 90 percent of those were your own employees or yourself you know <laughs> it's okay you know like the, the the people that will be good at marketing are the ones that will go all right let's keep going let's do that again and make it a little bit better than we did before so there you go you know, just keep moving along there. yeah absolutely so, all right, hey, let's wrap up with our favorite segment, What's Tech Connecting With You? This is where we get to talk about something fun in the world of fun, sometimes terrifying, who knows, in the world of science, <laughs> tech, innovation, something that's caught our eye, got our attention. Jody, what's tech connecting with you right now? Well, I'm going to start by, because I, I, I thought of one more thing. Can sure, go for it. Thing? So don't be afraid to be yourself um, and inject personality into what you're doing. I find too often that there's so much jargon, it's kind of hard to weed through so don't be afraid to be yourself. Whatever you know, personality that your company has and your team has, like don't don't be afraid. You know, be a go out there. It's not gonna you know, it, it's it's worth it. Um, tech connecting, and this is related because I'm not gonna be afraid to be myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> I am a huge fan of the movie Twister. Are there any other Twister fans Twister. out there? I admit, it. I okay. I watched that movie a lot. <laughs> okay. Wait, what? What? What is this movie? To. No, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, no, no, but I'm in like Colin a movie void. Oh my gosh. Okay, yeah. I love tornadoes. I love weather. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this is not Sharknado. No, but I love that one too. Oh my. Okay. okay got it. So Twister, <laughs> Bill Paxton, Helen Hunt, right? Amazing movie. They. <laughs> I'm not going to go into the movie. Basically, they build this contraption called Dorothy, and it goes into the tornado, and little sensors go up, and like, wow, this is amazing. We have all this data, blah, right? So I'm reading the paper the other day, digitally, um, I should say that, um, and I see an article that says that the first unmanned vessel, essentially, um, called Sail Drone, has been deployed and has survived sailing into a Category 4 hurricane in the ocean and was sending back data, um, basically trying to understand how hurricanes intensify. So understanding the relationship between the, the ocean and the atmosphere, blah, 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 nerd, nerd. Um, 
I thought this was amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I saw an article too. Yeah. So sail drone is my tech connecting sail drone. based on I, my love of Twister. I made the same connection. I saw <laughs> that article. Played. I didn't get a chance to read all in every bit of it yet, but the first thing that occurred in my head is like, oh, that sounds just like Twister. Yes. yes. I love it. I love That's it. good stuff. Are That's you a good weather stuff. nerd? Yes, I am. Okay. I'm with you there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dean, what's tech connecting with Well, you? I'm not going technology this time around. I don't know. I, I feel kind of light. So I got two of them here for you. Okay. Let me, let me give you this one. What is the most popular cocktail in the world, uh, if you will, by, by amount of countries that like it? You can't, you can't sneak a peek uh, here. You want to guess what the most popular cocktail is? No, a, um, um, like a Cosmo, a Cosmopolitan. Nope. Anybody got, else got an idea? What's the most popular cocktail in the Probably world? Probably the one that happens... Margarita? margarita right after okay. this session that nope. one sorry cocktail? margarita isn't even in the top three believe it or not no 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 sorry favorite in 84 countries it's the mojito really so now you know number two mimosa number oh, three okay. is pina colada uh pina colada is the favorite uh, cocktail in 14 countries so there you go hey it, it, it was a little tech connecting with me. I don't know. I, okay, I come to okay. a Vartech. There's a well, lot of networking yeah, half going on. The reason on. you come to a live in-person event is to drink. So, 100%. Yes. Okay. There you go. Right. You. So my other one is I did read a fascinating article about the 20 fastest growing and declining jobs out there. Right? Because you always want to know, hey, wait a minute. Am I on the right list? Am I on the list of the best? You know, where do I need to be? Okay. So, you know, the fastest growing jobs pretty much, pretty much makes sense. A majority of them are in the healthcare, nurse practitioners, mental yeah. health yep. services, uh, things like that. Although there are some anomalies in here, genetic counselors, apparently that's uh, a fast growing job. Who knew that? One of the higher ones is a wind turbine service technician. Now, you know, those, one, that's one of those jobs that's like, yeah, that's cool, but no way I'm getting on top of a wind turbine to do Not that. Not for you, no. Now, if you're in one of these following uh, uh, employments or if this is your job, because these are the ones that are declining, you really need to start looking. Don't say marketing. No. For a different <laughs> job. Bank tellers, word processor and typists. Really? They're still at switchboard operator? How does that even make the list at this point? Yeah, I mean... Sure, right, it's declining right. because there's like two of them left in the country or something. Whatever. I mean, come on. And then finally, nuclear power reactor operator. If you are doing oh, okay, that right okay. now, you might want to get another job because it's sunsetting. Yeah. Who yeah. knew? Yeah. There I you mean, go. There's so there's, your, there's your bites yeah. today. Yeah. Yeah. Not doing a job but... that most people didn't realize still existed. It's probably time to get out. <laughs> That makes sense. Yeah. There you go. John, what's tech connecting uh, with you? So I don't have any lightsabers to pull out today. Sorry. Uh, that was a one, oh, one yeah, trick. Oh, that was kind of cool. No. Oh, Jody would have gotten geeky uh, on I, that. I, too. She would have. I know. I mentioned to her beforehand. Uh, okay. So I think actually Cordy on that same episode last week, though, mentioned uh, you know the company that was starting to work on some of the, the autonomous vehicles for yeah. trucks and SUVs. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Well, here's another Rivian. player that recently has stepped into the game of the, the, the new you know high-tech electric autom automated vehicles. Uh, Lucid Air. This is actually from uh, Peter Rawlinson, who was the engineer with Tesla that ah. created the Model 3 and kind of had a falling ah. out with Musk, as everybody right. does, and and moved off to create his own company. Now, now granted, his car is pretty high-end. The starting model is going to be $169,000. Okay. I think they're working on like an $80,000 model for, you know, us. Still. You know, yeah, for us middle-class <laughs> folks, I guess. You know, whatever. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, so this, but this vehicle looks very cool. It's 520 miles per charge, which is by That's far nice. the highest in the Absolutely. industry. Absolutely. It's extremely roomy. The, the test drive that people that were taking, it talked about how, it literally felt like it was bigger on the inside than on the outside. Oh, that's kind of cool. And a big part of it is apparently like the, the roof, with the exception of one fairly thin bar, is almost all open glass. Mm. But it's a, mm -hmm. a kind of a, an, an infrared blocking glass to keep from heating up inside. Uh -huh. Apparently it's got some venting in it, too, that keeps it from ever getting very hot and, and, and needing to use much air conditioning. I think they said basically unless you were driving through a desert that was like 100 plus degrees, mm -hmm. the car would almost always stay cool and comfortable, even on the, the sunniest, sunniest, days. hottest of days. But it just it looks it looks beautiful. It's an amazing looking car. Obviously, way out of anyone's price range, you know, at this point. Uh, and then it has an autonomous mode that they call Dream Drive, is the name. Dream of it. So, Drive. Yeah, there, there, it was a very long article about this. I've got more reading to do, but uh, I I just found the whole. You know, it looked like a fascinating, cool car. It definitely has that futuristic car look to it, but yet seemed to have a lot of practicality to it, and the, the reviewer was 
very impressed by the the initial test drive that he took in it. Man, so, I'm telling you, cars are going to look completely different in five years. Oh, no yeah. doubt about it. Yeah, we're driving. Definitely. Well, Dean, you know, is Mr. Tesla down here. I just now, got a he Tesla. just got a Tesla. I just got my Model so, 3. Yeah. I'm super excited. So fact, I guess I need if you want to impress him, so now I got to roll up in a lucid air or something. You right. Know, so. <laughs> <laughs> Going to need a little bit of a raise for that one. So. All right, Jody Costa, thank you so thank much you, for Jody. being here. Thank you. You have been thank a fantastic guest. Yes. Thank you. Yay. A big round Yay. of applause. We don't typically get to have applause other than just me and Dean right. showering yeah. accolades. So we'll start yes. applauding. Yes. Thank you so much for being here. Unfortunately, it is time for us to unplug on this episode. So until next time, uh, you know, make sure you find something to geek out about. Find your inner yeah. geek and geek out a little bit. Absolutely. Of course, as always, please stay connected. ELO is bringing decades of touchscreen experience to the palm of your hand. Introducing the M50 handheld mobile computer, an enterprise-grade Android device built for efficiency and connectivity. With a 5.5-inch HD touch display, integrated 2D barcode scanner, Android 10 OS, and a rugged design for commercial use, the M50 is ready to seamlessly integrate via ELOView or the MDM of your choice. Long battery life, quick charge, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, or 4G communications, and plenty of accessories make the M50 a bold new choice for enterprises like warehousing, retail, healthcare, delivery, and more. To learn more about the M50 now in stock and ready to ship, check out the link in the show notes or contact Blue Star's ELO team. Now more than ever, organizations are requiring sophisticated access control solutions. Evlis, the world's leading direct-to-card printer manufacturer, has solutions to fit any card-related access control scenario. Their open SDK is perfect for custom applications, and their seven different encoding options cover any card requirement in the marketplace, from basic mag encoding to complex UHF. Whether your customer's access control requirement includes contact or contactless, simple ID cards, multi-purpose cards, or something else, Evolus has you covered with their newly expanded range of self-service kiosk printers. If you are an ISV or system integrator in the access control arena, contact your Blue Star rep today to identify with Evolus. Instant and reliable inventory and asset visibility is vital to many enterprises, where misplaced, undercounted, or unaccountable items can cost companies big money in replacements, repairs, restocks, and their reputation. That's why Zebra's RFID portfolio includes a business and industrial line of fixed RFID readers, complementing their broader line of data capture and mobile computing products. There's the ATR7000, ideal for indoor RTLS applications. The FX9600, which requires no hardwired connection for large distribution yards. The FX7500 is compact and powerful for faster, accurate reads in large open areas and business class environments. Finally, Zebra's collection of combo reader antenna solutions track inventory and assets as they move through entry exit points, ideal for retail, distribution, and manufacturers. To learn more about any of these options, check out the link in the show notes or contact Kevin Thomas on the Blue Star Zebra team.